Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your host, Adam Patrick. All right, welcome to the Viking Age podcast, the official podcast for thevikingage.com. I'm your host, Adam Patrick. I'm the editor and lead writer for the Viking Age. Before we get started, make sure to follow the Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook. The site's username on Twitter is at the Viking Age, and you can follow the site's Facebook page by heading to facebook.com slash the Viking Age. All right, on today's show, I'm joined by the Viking Age's Dustin Baker, and we are nearing the end of the NFL's first ever super wildcard weekend. There were six playoff games this weekend, and we saw the Bills, Rams, Bucks, Saints, Ravens, and it looks like the Browns are going to hold off and beat the Steelers tonight. So, Dustin, I'm not sure if you were able to catch any of the action this weekend, but you know which team's victory... Just by looking at who won, would you say it's been the most surprising? I liked the way the Colts um, went toe-to-toe with the Bills. I predicted the Colts to win, and it was kind of like that Buccaneers-Vikings game where our game plan was was there, and then we just had follies that uh, disallowed us from winning. That's how I felt the Colts versus Bills wins. I thought the Colts were the better team on that particular day. So they surprised me um, because the Bills were you know, heavily... Heavily favored, so to speak, by fans, uh, a trendy Super Bowl pick. Uh, but all in all, the Rams, I really enjoyed what they did. I predicted them to win, too. That one actually worked out. Um, their defense is magnificent, and it's spooky to think uh, that their quarterback play is holding them back. Now, their backup quarterback, Wolford, was injured. Uh, and Goff came in and was, you know, not very good. But it didn't matter because it was one of those days that Vikings fans used to be used to mm-hmm. where it was defense running the ship and all the Rams really needed to do was you know score a handful of points against the Seahawks, no less. Mm-hmm. A team that is prided on offense and Russell Wilson, who was the front runner for the first half of the year. And the Rams just made them look childish. And I, I know that they have a, a rivalry, so it's kind of like uh, Vikings uh, getting together with the Bears and you throw uh, records out the window. Uh, but I love the Rams' defense, and I'm hoping that they can beat the Packers here next is it Saturday. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they're playing Saturday or Sunday, but yeah, they're, that's I think it's they're Saturday in the face. That'll be that'll be a good game. And then uh, if the Browns win, they're going to play the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So the the Ravens will be playing the Bills, and I think that that Ravens Bills game is probably going to be probably probably the game of of the weekend. I feel like um, I agree. It's most just most the most competitive probably. Um, I enjoyed the Ravens winning. I just like Lamar Jackson. I love watching him play. So watching him just run all over the Titans was was fun. Um, the t- a team that lost the the Washington football team. I would say that if they get a quarterback next year, you know, they'll, they'll be probably pretty good because what Taylor Heineke he almost helped the Washington football team upset the Bucks. So um, yeah, this is what. 
this is what Ron Rivera does, and I didn't think he would do it this quick. Yeah. And, and of course, division, division was absolute uh, rubbish. But they <laughs> did win that division host home playoff game, and most importantly, they looked like they belonged in that game. And uh, their defense, to me, it was out of nowhere this season, got really good. And I, I'm a defensive guy as a fan, and so it was it was fun to watch them play. And, yeah, they were in that game most of the time, and even Heineke showed uh, a lot of heart. Um, but, yeah, Ron Rivera, this is why he was hired to bring a supreme culture shift and to win football games. And so far he won seven of them and kind of – the, the groundwork for an, a nice change. In, uh, yeah, there were a lot of former uh, Vikings in action this weekend. You had Diggs, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. Xavier Rhodes tackling him a couple times. That was fun to see. I'm sure those two enjoyed going at each other on, on Saturday. And then you had Cordell Patterson. I think, I think every... I think almost every team had a former Viking. Every game I watched, I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, cool. Heineke, yep. Uh, Maybe not the Rams. Who was first today? The Ravens. The Ravens and Titans. Yannick. I guess I guess Michael Pruitt. Oh, and and Yannick Ngakwe, Michael Pruitt on the yep. on the Titans. And the, t- the Titans have another one. Uh, it'll come to me. Um, yeah, it'll come to me later in the show. Um, and then uh, what's tonight? The Browns and the Steelers. I don't. Yeah, I don't think the Browns are. Well, obviously the Browns have Kevin Stefanski, and Mike Prefer was filling in tonight because uh, Stefanski yep. was. And then Sheldon Richardson, Sandejo. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's there's a. A lot of former Vikings in, in action this week. Yeah. If you're looking for that connection. Um, there, there indeed was. But unfortunately, you know, the Vikings uh, didn't play this weekend, so we don't have a game to recap. So we're going to go over our likes and dislikes for the entire Vikings season. So, Dustin, let's just get right into it, starting with the likes. What do you got for me? The first one I'll call out is the extension of Dalvin Cook this summer. It was hotly debated, um, not necessarily between you and I, but you and I had effectively joined forces, so to speak, against the rest that thought running backs shouldn't be paid that type of money. We were the pay um, the running said, back uh, crowd. <laughs> not, not the anti-running yes, uh, back crowd. Yeah, and I, I completely get the mindset. The Denver Broncos have done the uh, running back thing for 25 years where they mm-hmm. use the, ever since Terrell Davis, they, they draft a rookie running back, they play them for three or four years, and they go on to the next guy. And I get that, and I don't disagree with the fact that running backs don't deserve quarter money, quarterback money. But with Dalvin and the, the rest of the tiers of running backs, I think they should be on a sliding scale, just as most of capitalism life is, that the top three guys should get in that $12 million range. And breaking news, Dalvin Cook is one of those top three running backs. And then if we had a guy like uh, Devin Singletary or James Conner, who I consider substantially uh, below Dalvin Cook, then yes, you don't pay that guy $12 million just because you're trying to give quarterback or running backs big money. Uh, we do that for quarterbacks where they're almost guaranteed to get $20 million if they're any good because that's the, you know, the stakeholder position mm-hmm. on the field. Uh, but with running backs, I, I believe they need to be on a tiered scale, and I think the top five probably deserve... $12 million, $13 million range like uh, Camara and Henry and most yep. of the time Zeke and now Dalvin. And I thought it was important to dish out that money because the way this team is built, it's a run-first run organization. Um, that's what Zimmer does, whether you like it or you don't. And he is the engine to the offense, and the big knock was, can he stay healthy? And I understand that he missed a lot of football games, but it wasn't necessarily like that he was a wimp or that like, no. oh, yeah, he tweaked his ankle. He's going to be out. He's got turf toe here the knock on him was he tore his ACL. So he missed most of that season. And <laughs> yeah. then he missed time the following year. Um, but he is not uh, fragile, I don't think. And mm. this year he was an MVP candidate for about two weeks when we tried to revamp the season after the bye week. And he's just so damn good. He's not quite Adrian Peterson. Um, but I would personally take Dalvin over Derrick Henry. And that'll shock some. Uh, I like Dalvin's versatility a little bit more than Henry's. And Dalvin is 25, so we, we should have at least three years left at this top five uh, production from him. So my one of my I won't, these won't be in any order tonight, but one of my favorite things was Dalvin's contract appears to be worth it. Oh yeah, that was that was one of my likes, just just breaking the rules and deciding to pay a running back um, <laughs> because you know, like you said, these guys should be separated. You can't group them all into one category and be like, you can't pay any running back because. You know that's that's not fair. You're not, you know, t- totally telling the whole truth because yeah, you have guys like Cook 
and Derrick Henry and Elvin Kamara, who all got paid before the start of the season and who all went on to have very good seasons. I mean, that Christian McCaffrey guy, he's terrible. He, he didn't do anything after he got signed. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll see. We'll see what he can do uh, once he returns. But, uh, yeah, like this whole narrative that, you know, you shouldn't pay a running back is just a bad investment. And then, you know, you can look at other positions too like that if you want and look at receivers and, and some of the top paid receivers and see, you know, are they worth the investment too? Because I'm pretty sure Michael Thomas is making all this money and he missed a lot of games uh, this season. So, you know, how much how much is he worth? Or, or other guys like Brandon Cooks is one of the top paid uh, receivers. So, you know, that nar- this narrative of don't pay running backs, I think is it's pretty garbage and you can, you can just throw it right in the trash. So I'll get to one it of mine. Right, it, okay. It go go goes right along with those folks that want to pass the ball. It goes right along with those folks that want to Every pass down. the ball all the time. Every and down. yes, that's fun. Yeah. And I, yeah, and it can work. Yeah, there are people that would do that all the time. Mm-hmm. But don't you think in however many 90 years worth of football that we would have figured out a long time ago that passing the ball 80% <laughs> of the time is smarter? I don't think people do it because it's tradition. I think they do it to run to set up the pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm firmly about balance. And yeah, if they want to throw the ball a little bit more than usual, then so be it. Uh, but this notion that running backs are expendable because you should be throwing on every down, I personally don't agree with it. Yeah, so we can get rid of those. Um, one of my likes is is Adam Thielen returning to form. Um, so he missed a bunch of games in 2019 just with a hamstring injury and a couple other nicks. Um, and, you know, given his age, some people wondered how he would respond in 2020. And, you know, Stefan Diggs not being there, a lot of people had the idea of, you know, Thielen is only good because Stefan Diggs is there and he takes the attention away so Thielen can get open all the time. Um, well, Thielen decided to accumulate, you know, at least 65 catches and 900 yards for the fourth time in the last five yards. Uh, and he also set a career high in touchdown catches with 14. And I'm, I believe pretty much all of those, most of those were in the red zone. So he became just this big red zone weapon. You know, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he just found a way to easily get open uh, in the red zone because apparently he knows how to get open without Stefan Diggs being on the field. Um, so that was just nice to see Adam Thielen get out there and get back to, you know, the guy we're used to seeing. And he, I think he also, uh, I wouldn't say like voluntarily, but he, I don't think he had a problem taking a back seat to how well Justin Jefferson was playing. Like he saw this guy was playing mm-hmm. extremely well. And Jefferson started to get the majority of the targets towards the end of the year, and and he just went about his business and just kept cut, kept touch kept catching touchdowns. So um, it was good to see that, and I think he by him playing this way this year, I think it saved him, you know, from potentially being a one of the shocking cap casualties this year. So that was yeah, I uh, one thing I want to. Point out about Thielen is last year before he got hurt in week seven, I think it, it was the road game at Detroit. He was on a pace to score about 15 or 16 touchdowns um, yeah. in the first half of the season there. And I tweeted that this summer, and I don't think anybody clapped back to say anything rude or anything. Um, they didn't know you I, think yet. They, <laughs> I think they thought it was like a homer stat or something. <laughs> and then he replicated that pace this year when he played yeah. you know, almost a full season so he scored was it 14 touchdowns receiving touchdowns yep, 14 yeah and, and the only game he was out was the COVID game right yeah yeah correct that game where he was in his living room going mm-hmm. wild like yeah. exactly like how I do yeah uh, that, that was awesome <laughs> that his wife filmed that uh anyhow so the pace that he was on in 2019 um he played a full season in 2020 and he replicated that so it wasn't an illusion either one of these years uh he might transition um I'm not saying he's at the twilight of his career but he is over 30, so at some point he will mm-hmm. transform into you know, a, a lesser productive player. And it's good to know that he can be effective in the red zone because he can play till you know, he's 36 if he can catch touchdown passes like that. So, oh yes, uh, and I should point out to listeners or anybody that reads my stuff, I predicted the opposite. I thought that Thielen would be the breadwinner, 1,400 yards, blah, 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 touchdowns. And I thought Jefferson would be the guy that would have about seven, eight hundred yards because he was the rookie, and they completely yeah. reversed roles. And I mean, most of that is, goes into my next like, which is Justin Jefferson, because we can't have an end of season Vikings podcast without mentioning the twenty-one year old from LSU. Uh, I was so elated that he turned out to be and 
probably the best wide receiver in the draft in, rookie? in quite rookie. some time. You can, say, you can say rookie. Yeah, yeah, uh, rookie. And then the fact that he he broke the NFL record for receiving yards, it was marvelous to see. We didn't have to wait around for him to nope. get rid of rookie shakes or nope. mistakes. He was just he showed up and in, instantly he was as good as Stefan Diggs. And I I feel if if Jefferson not better, been in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the thing, and we talked about this last week. The, we spend a lot of time analyzing the Vikings trade, who won it between yeah. the Bills and the Vikings, but you should be examining the first-year production of Jefferson versus the first-year production of Diggs uh, because we've got one year of adjudication of who won the trade. We haven't even seen the back half of the draft picks that the Vikings will have in a few months. Uh, so I have to give a shout-out to Jefferson uh, because he far, far exceeded any sort of expectation I had for him. Oh, for sure. He he was he was great. He broke what Randy Moss's record. He broke the NFL <laughs> all-time modern-day rookie record. So you know it's pretty decent. Um, I think he should be the offensive rookie of the year. And and this isn't just you know bias because he plays for the Vikings. But like I saw this point man the other day where just yes Justin Herbert of the Chargers broke the what rookie touchdown record for passes touchdown passes in the season. But he just. Broke, Baker Mayfield just broke that, and then that was broken before. So this this record keeps getting broken. Where you look at the record that Jefferson broke, and he broke guys' records who set these like twenty years ago. Yeah. So you know records that aren't necessarily meant to be broken or are just harder to break. So that makes me think that his season is more impressive, especially because he's on an offense that isn't pass first, that doesn't you know rely on the passing attack. It's it's all about you know Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook gets He's getting 30 touches a game, and Jefferson still found a way to, you know, put up this many yards during the season when, and, you know, there's someone like Thielen, there's Irv Smith, so it's not like he's the only one <laughs> out there who can make plays, um, and Kirk Cousins is not one to, you know, be shy about spreading the ball around. He'll give the ball to C.J. Ham if he's open. So I just think Jefferson's season was, was really impressive, and, and he deserves that offensive rookie of the year. Um, it's probably not going to go to him just because he's not a quarterback, but um, I think that will be uh, just terrible if he doesn't win. I think the verdict's still out there. If there was ever a year to split it, if that yeah. is allowed, yeah. this would probably be to do it. But we were kind of in the same arena two seasons ago when it was Mayfield versus Saquon. Yep. And a lot of us said on shows like this that they'll probably go to Baker Mayfield because he's the quarterback, and they went to Saquon. Um, so I think there's a chance that Jefferson wins it, especially since he's all pro. That's a big deal. Pro Bowl voting might be a little shaky at times, um, but All Pro I think is established as you know the, the gold standard of yeah. recognition. So I don't think that that one's cooked quite yet. Um, <clears throat> I think they probably deserve to split it uh, based on their production. Um, trying to think. Uh, you know who didn't also, get any All Pro votes? Justin Herbert. Oh. Justin Herbert. Yeah, true. Didn't get any. It's also kind of a, a misnomer if you look at the history of the Rookie of the Year award. That it goes to quarterbacks. That's what we. That's what happens for MVPs. We always mm-hmm. give that to a quarterback. The last one to win it that wasn't a quarterback was Adrian Peterson, and we Ooh. remember that season. So the MVP yeah. award usually goes to quarterback, but not necessarily the Rookie of the Year. Um, Odell Beckham won it. I don't yep. have the list pull up in front of me, but it is not yep. necessarily a quarterback award. I want to pound that home. Yeah. So maybe you never know. You know, <laughs> and then, and these these awards they they don't give them out until like the week of the Super Bowl, right? So, you know, they got yeah. they got time. I don't know if they voted on them already or not, though, but... I don't know. Um, all right, my next like is the decision to trade away Yannick and Gakwe. Ooh. So, you know, they brought in Gakwe in. We thought, oh, here we go. We're going to... He's going to team up with Daniel Hunter and the Vikings are going to have this, like, great defensive line. I think there were, you know, lists coming out, like, immediately that the Vikings have the best defensive end duo in the NFL and then you know we find out that Hunter's gonna be out for the year and then I think Mike Zimmer quickly realized that Ngakwe wasn't much of a fit for his defense probably because you know he Ngakwe wasn't much of a fan of uh, defending the run so uh, Mike Zimmer didn't really like that Um, so after their sixth game of the season the Vikings decided to trade Ngakwe to the Ravens and at least get some sort of compensation for him instead of letting him you know, walk out the door for nothing in 2021. 
And what they got was a 2021 third rounder and a 2022 conditional fifth round pick for Ngakwe. So, you know, as, as difficult as it, you know, it was to face the reality that, you know, we just traded away a second round pick for this guy. Um, and we thought, you know, he could be a great part of our defense for the next, you know, few years. The Vikings, you know, they were smart. They made their move quick and got him out of there, got something for him and just, you know, bit the bullet and, did the right thing. I'm going to break away from you there, not not fundamentally, <clears throat> um, but anecdotally. And this, you're kind of stealing one of my dislikes. I didn't like the optics of how all of that went down, uh, mainly because I got so frustrated towards the end of the year, most of the year, with virtually no pass rush that yeah. took um, that made the secondary look foolish. And it all starts up front in defense. And usually we have a pristine pass rush with Griffin and Daniel Hunter. And we went into this thing, I want to say, like September 1st or so, I remember tweeting about, I think you and I were talking about, or maybe it was our, our, our group chat with Viking Age about, is the is Hunter and Ngakwe the, the best defensive in tandem in the league? And I didn't want to quite commit to that. Yeah. I thought top five. So we went from having Hunter and Ngakwe to nothing. Mm-hmm. And I know that's no fault of most uh, because... Uh, Hunter was out for the season, but we didn't know it at the time. So we went from the supreme excitement of having two of the best sack masters in the world to nothing to uh, Jalen Holmes and Afadia Denbo. And I like Afadia Denbo, but I think he's a complimentary edge rusher yeah. to somebody like Hunter. So I don't know why, if they decided they didn't like him, were um, they just hoodwinked? They thought that he would be a lot better with them alongside Hunter. Or did they realize that he wasn't a showstopper in his own right? Uh, so I didn't like the. Here's what I didn't like: the fact that our pass rush sucked, <laughs> and we traded away a pass rusher. Yeah, I disliked that. Uh, well, they were also I, I they were also they were one in five at the time, so they weren't. Yeah, that's a good point. They weren't, you know, in the middle of competing for their playoffs. I can understand if they were like three and three, and they trade him away. Then you know, it's like, yeah, what do you what do you do when you're taking away your whole pass rush? But they were one in five. They probably figured, you know. We don't have that much chance for a playoffs, so we might as well get some of these young guys in there, which they did with, with DJ Wanham. And yep. I think they got. Yeah, I was going to say they got, they got playing time. To see a lot from him, and he looks like he's going to be a, a good player for them. So I think them being one in five had a, a sure a lot to do with them making that decision. Because I think if they were still even close to being in the mix for the playoffs, which they eventually were, but they didn't know they were going <laughs> to do that, um, I think you know it would have been more debatable to be like. Hey, well, what are you doing? Like he's our only pass rusher, and and it was fun to watch him. I I did enjoy watching him when he was on the field. You know, it seemed like every time he hit the quarterback, he, you know, either did you know cause a fumble or tried to cause a fumble, and uh, that was I feel like an exciting part of his his game. But just for whatever reason, the Vikings felt like he he was better off going elsewhere, and I just like the fact that they were able to get something for him instead of just yes, letting him. Yes, that's true walk at the end of the year going forward if you if folks want to think back on unique Ngakwe or watch me Baltimore that is the one part of his game where he is indeed better than Daniel Hunter as he's a better stripper of the ball uh to thank get you for forced. adding that to your sentence <laughs> he's a better stripper yeah. uh force fumbles is his baby <laughs> Daniel Hunter is not bad at that but yeah. uh Ngakwe uh I remember looking this up at nauseum when he got traded it was yeah. always top five metric of force fumbles. So we will miss that. Hopefully when we're talking about the team in September, we have a suitable replacement. Um, my next like, I'm going to kind of package a few into one so we can move on to dislikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rookie class was encouraging Cameron Dantzler, especially I like how we have salt and pepper with uh, the cornerbacks. We've got a guy who can tackle like a madman in Gladney. And we got a guy who looks like he'll be a mini shutdown corner soon. Uh, and, and Dantzler, so it's cool to have that combination. Uh, you just talked about Wanham. I'll be uh, anxious to see more of him. And then Cleveland, had, he looked good in spots at, at guard. So it seems like, based on one year alone, it could go to hell in year two or three. Hopefully it doesn't. <laughs> that this r- draft class looks like it's going to to pay off. Without, um, without a preseason. Yeah, correct. Uh, my next one was the fact that our, the only Packers loss at Lambeau Field all year was to the Vikings. Uh, yeah. Somebody tweeted, and I can't remember I can't remember who it was. Somebody tweeted, hopefully this doesn't end up being our Super Bowl right after that game. And it turned out, looking back, whoever that man or woman was, was correct. That was the best game we played all season. It blew our minds. 
it blew my mind. I thought we were going to get steamrolled. Uh, we did not, and it was the only time the Packers lost at home. Um, so I'm glad that in a season that went very pear-shaped at 1-5 and five in the bye week, that it got exciting. And I don't I, – people complain about 7-9 and nine or 8-8, eight and eight, like you're content with mediocrity. I'm telling you that good football teams in their bad years finish about 7-9 and nine or 8-8. Mm-hmm. and eight. And that's what this franchise is. The way it's constructed with the head coach, the general management, and usually the pieces that are on the field, it is a very good franchise. And when bad franchises have down years, it's usually to the tune of eight or eight and seven and nine. And that's what this was. Uh, people tell me, like, oh, you're content with mediocrity. You're happy with wild card wins. And it's like, <laughs> one of these times we're going to break through. And I would rather always be in the mix than have to do this 13 and three garbage like we did eight years ago. And hope that we, you know, hit gold with this uh, rookie quarterback, whoever that may be. I like consistency, and I'm of the uh, opinion that this coach can break through to win a Super Bowl. It just has to be one of those darn years where you have a good defense, and then you have a good offense, and then a little bit of competent special teams. And I feel like that could happen in 2021. It certainly has to get close to it. Otherwise, we will look for a new coach in the next two or three years. Yeah. Um, I like your impression of the people on Twitter, by the way. Um, but yeah, the the Vikings had a lot of injuries. I I mean, impactful injuries. I, I should clarify that because they, I think their injuries, the amount of people they had injured, ranked like fourteenth or something in the NFL. So it wasn't like they had the most injuries. But you know, there's a site on on the internet, believe it or not. Um, um, it's, where it's called mangameslost.com and it just goes over it weighs in like factors like impact and like how how these players ratings on on pro football reference like their AV rating or whatever and the Vikings uh with their injuries the impact of the players loss was the you know the fifth they had the fifth highest impact of of any team in the NFL this year so that ahead of them was the 49ers, Eagles, Cowboys and and Chargers so the injuries that the Vikings lost were very significant. You know, you had Daniel Hunter, Anthony Barr, uh, you know, Michael Pierce opting out. You had uh, Eric Kendricks losing, you know, a couple games at the end of the year, which probably was a huge factor in them not qualifying for the playoffs. So, you know, their lack of success this year, uh, they should, I feel like they should be applauded for being able to finish seven to nine and that that leads into one of my likes which is you know the team just not giving up after a one and five start you know i feel like a lot of teams around the nfl they start one and five and they're like okay all right we're just gonna you know like what you look at the texans they finish with four wins or another team would finish with three wins they're like all right we don't, we don't care like the season's over already so you know who cares but this team went on to get themselves back into playoff contention i believe um, you know, is either before the Bucks game or before the Bears game, they they had possession of that last playoff spot, um, and I just think that's that's pretty impressive for a team that started one and five to just stay in there and keep fighting. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with the guy who's the head coach of the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I also want to call out Kirk Cousins. There, um, he had thirty five touchdowns and four thousand something yards, mm-hmm. and that. That is more than enough for a team coached by Mike Mike Zimmer. <laughs> yeah. um, he won. He won with Case Keenum and, and Teddy Bridgewater. People forget. Yeah, Cousins was brought in to be the guy that put us over the top. He has not done that yet. That's apparent. That's obvious. Uh, but if you want to partner a Zimmer defense that's not hampered by you know gobs of injuries uh, with a competent offense, Cousins can be the guy. Uh, yes, he makes he has games or moments where you're like, ah, man, this guy isn't very good. And yes, that frustrates even me. Uh, that's why I think he's probably right about the 10th best quarterback in the league. I don't proclaim that he's elite, uh, but he is the type of quarterback that can be combined with a, a good defense like most Super Bowl teams have and uh, win the thing. So I want to make sure I call out Cousins on the like, especially in the second half of the season. Uh, He had two very bad games early on, and those were stinkers. No (laughs) doubt about it. There's no excusing him. Uh, But he he did right the ship personally, and he was darn effective in the last half of the season. The other thing that was funny that you talked about uh, with all of the injuries, I was some Viking fan uh, was trying to tell me that 
the injuries can't be an excuse for Zimmer because he's a self-professed defensive mastermind. What? And they compared, <laughs> they compared him to Kyle Shanahan and said, look, the Niners defense is still in the top, whatever it was, 12 or 15. Are they in the playoffs? I, I was like, dude, the Niners finished 6-10 and 10 with yeah. all of these injuries. <laughs> so, we, yes, they both have injuries. The Vikings won one extra game than the Niners. Yeah. Yeah. Would you prefer that Zimmer roll over and die offensively, too, just to make the whole thing look like garbage? It just so happened that this year the offense was the bell cow, and the defense, surprise, surprise, the one that was ravaged by injury, uh, took a huge step back. Uh, but I, I found it comical that they were like, Shanahan's defense still good without injuries. And it's like, well, Shanahan's team, who's the head coach, <laughs> they're 6-10. and 10. Oh, so I, Don't tell me that. I love when people use Kyle Shanahan as an example because he's led his team to one winning record in four seasons. So, yeah, <laughs> he's a great example to, to use when, you know, you talk about a better head coach than – and Mike Zimmer. Um, I think some people listening to this podcast will be pretty surprised that it took you about a half hour in to mention Kirk Cousins because apparently, according to Twitter, <laughs> you know, you're you're Kirk Cousins' number one fan because you put out his his stats that you know are actually yeah. true. You know, how could you do that? Um, but other other than that, I think I had some other likes that I don't really need to get into detail. But like the progression of the the young tight ends, Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin, they really came on at the end of the year. Kind of signifying the end of Kyle Rudolph. Um, I had more on Kirk Cousins. He really stepped it up after the bye, I think. His performance was yeah. among the best quarterbacks in the league. I don't, I don't care what you say. Um, and then Eric Kendricks just continuing, you know, before he got hurt, just playing at an all-pro level. I was just, just every week it felt like he was the best defensive player on the field on, on both sides. And uh, he just had another great year. Unfortunately, you know, something happened in warm-ups and ended his his season that was a really freak injury and hopefully it doesn't affect him in the in the next year and the Vikings can get their, you know, linebacker bash brothers, quote unquote, together. Um so let's just move on to dislikes and, and I'm gonna start this off. I'm gonna go sure. with my top dislike is this is gonna be pretty shocking, but the entire special teams unit. Uh, special teams coach Marwan Malouf, he was recently let go by the Vikings and for good reason uh minnesota spe- minnesota special teams was historically awful in in 2020 they were terrible at kicking terrible at punting terrible at returning terrible at punt and kick coverage just anything that had to do with special teams the vikings were terrible um if you're any if you're having any trouble keeping up the vikings were, were terrible on special teams in 2020 um you know so so moving forward finding a quality returner i think needs to be a top priority uh, for the Vikings this offseason, you know, get someone in uh, in the draft who can maybe be a third receiver and be the returner. I think that would be, you know, a great thing to add in the draft or maybe even in, in free agency. And then the team should seriously consider finding a new kicker and a new punter because um, I spoke with, with Chris Thomason a couple of days ago on this podcast and he, he mentioned how, you know, Britton Colquitt, part of the reason he was brought in was because he is a good holder. And uh, that didn't seem to make much of a difference this year when, when Dan Bailey was not making any kicks. So, And both of these guys are making you know more than they probably should. And, and the Vikings can find, if they're, if they're going to have kickers miss, they should at least be paying someone way less than they're, they're paying Bailey and, and Colquitt. So the special teams just needs a complete overhaul and that'll probably happen with whoever they choose to to run that next season uh two things to clean up and then i want to talk about uh kicking a little bit the titan mysterious guy that i was talking about was uh kari blessing game he was oh yeah he was the other dude so him and michael were on the titans if you guys uh were still wanting me to piggyback or circle back to that and then on on my a alleged uh, obsession with Kirk Cousins. <laughs> uh, the only reason I end up talking about him most often is because people uh, have falsehoods that they spread yeah. about him. He's no, nowhere yeah. near my favorite Viking of all yeah. time. In fact, with Teddy Bridgewater, I was more excited about the youth of Teddy Bridgewater and his maturation. Oh, of course you were. Of course you were. Oh, no, I, well, okay. <laughs> I, I got the jerseys no. to prove it. Uh, so I, w- I was more excited about Teddy, and th- I would have been wrong. Um, he, he doesn't seem like he's going to be more than a you know, yeah. 16, 17 touchdown per year type of guy. So I like Kirk Cousins as the Vikings quarterback, um, mm-hmm. but I will always back the Vikings quarterback, um, you know, at least cheer for him. Um, so would you so, say Teddy no, I, is your favorite Vikings quarterback, or would you? Would no, you, not of all pepper? time. Um, 
No, no. Uh, so I can't say Tarkenton because I never got yeah. to see him. Yeah. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm not young, but uh, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't alive then. Uh, Jeff George is my favorite Viking. Jeff player. George, wow. Yep. During my formative years, I loved the way he ninety nine, right? He didn't play yep, he didn't play for the Vikings very long, but I thought he was the dream pairing with Randy Moss. So, yes, I, I think I've tweeted that out. Uh, gosh, cannon the was starting for some for some reason. Yep, I loved the way that he threw the ball, and then Cunningham would probably be second. Uh, and wow. then it's always weird. To, it's it's weird to judge that Favre year because that was so fun. Yeah, um, he'd probably be in there somewhere. But anyhow, on the kicking. Um, not a warm guy that I, huh? uh, he, he was just winding up when right. I became a yeah. Viking fan. Yeah. We found, I lived in Houston, Texas for three oh, years you did? and we found out we were, yep. We found out we were moving to Minneapolis and everybody down there already loved Warren moon. Mm-hmm. And he was the quarterback of the Vikings. And I was, you know, telling all my friends, Hey, I'm moving up there. So I started watching the Vikings in 1996 There you go, and then got fully invested in 97 and that was the year they had went to Brad Johnson and actually mm-hmm. won that really cool playoff game that's severely underrated against, against the, the Giants. Giants. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that, I, that's so weird in, in, in hindsight how that game in Vikings lore isn't talked about more often. But. I remember it. Oh, yeah. Did Cunningham Anyhow, play kicking, that? The thing, what's that? Did Cunningham play in that game? Yeah, Cunningham to Jake Reed to tie the game, I think, and send it to overtime. And if I recall correctly... Jake Reed's foot was out of bounds, but we didn't have replay then. Eh, it's okay. Um, so when you got away with stuff like that, it was just, well, they even out. Uh, <laughs> the thing that I dislike, uh, uh, pivoting back to 2021 mm-hmm. uh, or 2020 season about the Vikings kicking is not that Dan Bailey is a bum. Uh, I wouldn't even <laughs> be opposed to giving him one more shot. Yeah. It's just that we don't come the first week of the season, we're going to be in a familiar spot where mm-hmm. we don't have confidence. Uh, we've, we've had all types of confidence destroyed by kicker. We had mm-hmm. Blair Walsh who couldn't miss his first year or two. Mm-hmm. And then once he missed the kick um, five years ago today, he was done. He couldn't ever regroup. So we had like gradual letdown with Daniel Carlson. We thought, all right, well, if we're going to spend fifth round draft capital on this dude, he's got to be good. That was immediate letdown. <laughs> Started in the preseason. And then with Dan Bailey. Now we have the, well, yeah, God, this guy was fantastic for the Cowboys. He's the seventh, best kicker of all time, blah, 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 by field goal percentage. Mm-hmm. And then we, we locked it down. Last year, he was 27 of 29. And now we don't know. So it's like uh, perhaps let, a letdown. Uh, so we, no matter what happens, unless they find a way to get Justin Tucker, which isn't going to happen, come I mean, they one should, against... They should, they're going <laughs> to trade their first round pick for Justin Tucker. I have, <laughs> I have no problem with that, and I'm being completely serious. Uh, come week one... Uh, no matter who it is, yeah, uh, we're just going to be like, well, let's see if this guy works. And I hate that. I love that going into this year, we at least were like, okay, we got this finally locked down. I even wrote about it once or twice that for once, the the kicking position is not going to cause all this suspense. And then it did. Do we think that that they're not being fans in the stands made a difference in the yeah, kicks? I guess, because I guess because I know I, so- they can hear. They can hear the defense way more. Um, I mean, the defense, They, I know that they always shout stuff at kickers anyways when, when they're kicking and stuff, but I heard stuff where, um, I think it was an interview with Justin Tucker, I think it was on the Pat McAfee show or something, um, where he said he would actually hear stuff more from the sidelines this year than, yeah. than the actual defensive guys like chirping at him while he's kicking. So I wonder, you know, it's, it's weird because, you know, kickers are, they're weird. They're set in their ways. They have their, you know, specifics. So I wonder if, you know, not having a crowd, you know, maybe maybe Justin Tucker stares at a certain like section. Um, yeah. not, not Tucker. Um, Dan Bailey stares at a certain mm-hmm. section while he's kicking, and, and he didn't have that this year. So I, I wonder how much of that played into a factor, um, or factored in because because they that's something they've been used to their entire career, and this this year is just totally not there and we know how the vikings played with no fans in in u.s bank stadium it it didn't make a difference and might actually made it worse um for them so i'm i'm curious i'll use i'll use a saying that i'll use a saying that circulates in my extended family it's some damn thing yeah and that's what this was yeah like no matter what it was empty stadiums if it was the yips it was something and it's got to get fixed uh, and I feel I feel bad for Zimmer because ever since he got here, it's been something or another. With does kicking. does he play a part? In I don't any think of this? so. No. I, I've really th- I 
it sounds like uh like you know that I'm saying Zimmer just coincidence. Can, yeah, it mm-hmm. sounds like I'm saying Zimmer can do no wrong, but I really yeah. don't think that it's like this epidemic yeah. uh, of kicker problems because Zimmer is too mean. I mean, he defended uh, Bailey a lot this year. Yeah, I mean, how could yeah how could how could quarterback or how could kickers survive under Parcells and those dudes if it was all about coaches that weren't nice enough? I don't get it. I mean, I, and any any coach, if you miss this many kicks, like any coach in the NFL is going to be like, well, we should have made the kick. So it's not like Zimmer's like this. He's the outlier where he he criticizes his kicker. Just about any coach in the NFL is going to say that. And I did like how you started with Blair Walsh and did not start with Gary Anderson because the Vikings' kicking woes have gone all the way back to 1998. So <laughs> thank you for not mentioning that. Yeah. Do you have a dislike? I do. Uh, I want to make it clear in case people are uh, documenting what we say for some reason. My my supreme dislike of this season was the pass rush, the lack thereof. Yeah. Um, that if you want to go back uh, and figure out, well, the season went pear-shaped early on because we turned the ball over too much. And then secondarily, when we were trying to fix that, which we did for a while, uh, well, we did, you know, prolonged Cousins stopped throwing picks. It was the lack of pass rush. It was it was weird that I would have to get excited when there was a pass rush on a play, even if the guy wasn't sacked. I was like, whoa, yeah. we got a little pass rush, and I shouldn't feel that way. So that number one, and I'll talk about it for the next seven months, that I hated the fact that we couldn't get any pressure. Um, and so uh, kicking was on my list. Uh, but I think I don't like <laughs> having an offense-first football team because it seems no. to me – that the teams that are most successful long-term um, that end up winning Super Bowls are the teams that are a defensive organization, which we usually are. And it, this this year had way too much of a Mike Tice feel for me, and Brian McKinney and I have talked about that a bunch, yeah. that uh, I don't like watching football games like that where there's poor tackling no. and it just turns into a track meet. I love fantasy football, but when I am you know actually care about watching my team, I'd rather – any day of the week have 17, 13 games. Uh, I don't like this 52 to 35 crap that's no. not for me. So uh, I hated watching games knowing that, well, here we go. They're not going to be able to stop them today. Uh, that's not a fan. Or I'm not a fan of that style of play. So I hope that this was the outlier. Uh, I think it has to be because of these injuries, because if it's yeah. not, then that would mean that seven years into this experiment that Mike Zimmer is no longer equipped to coach defense in the NFL. <laughs> and, and that would be very odd. So you have to ask yourself, is it more likely that injuries really did matter and you know personnel matters? Or is Mike Zimmer just inept all of a sudden? I think... Um, it would probably going to be the... Yeah, I think, I think when they returned from the bye, the defense was much better, I feel like. Until yeah, Eric, then, until Eric Kendricks went down, back into its old tricks. and I feel yeah. like Eric Kendricks was like that last, like he was holding yep. it all together, <laughs> yeah. and then he was gone and just <laughs> exploded. Yeah. Speaking um, of which, I didn't I didn't get this one in, and I had it uh, on lights, and this one will be quick. One of these years, uh, Harrison Smith is not going to be the same. Um, it's yep. going to happen. One of these years, we're going to start to watch his games and be Maybe like, not. wow, ugh. yeah, <laughs> you're going to be like, well. He's lost a step, and that did not happen this year. He was an anchor, one of the only anchors in the back of the defense. Uh, so his regression, per you know human nature and aging, has not begun yet. And I'm very, very grateful for that because he probably actually is my favorite Viking player on the team. Is either him or Daniil Hunter. So I want to make sure that we uh, give props to the. Hit but you man. know what did happen uh, to him? What he did turn into a dirty player, according to Riff. Oh yeah, that was fun. He's a he's a headhunter now. <laughs> he's the, uh, I don't know. It since, took him so long to figure yeah. out that this guy does like to hit. So <laughs> ten years well into his career, he, now he's a dirty player. But I mean, guy. I mean, he, in, all, in his uh, longevity now since 2012, I mean, he's he's one of the good guys. Um, he's one of the not rare, but one of the guys that has made the adjustment the best. Pro- when he was trained yeah, as a young football player, every time. Yeah, he was presumably trained to be a killer, to knock people's heads off. Hence the name Hitman. And for the most part, up until this year, he's blended both, still being a hitman, but not being a sendejo where he gets you know unnecessary roughness. You know, uh, I think I think my favorite hit by him that is, I remember vividly is just that Monday night game against the Niners and Kaepernick's going to the sideline. He just cracked him like real yeah. hard. Um, that's just that just sticks out in my mind whenever I think of. There was a sweet one that wasn't a huge hit, um, but it was against the Bears when we beat them on Monday night. 
where Allen Robinson was going to receive a pass and Hitman just came over the oh, top yeah, yeah, yeah. or just swatted it. Yeah. it. It just looked like a like a cheetah, like you know, in the safari. Uh, he, the way he timed it and it was just you know cinematic. Even when it was slowed down, it was timed perfectly. All right, back to the dislikes. I've got just just the management of the offensive line in general. I mean, Dakota Dozier was out there for 16 games. He definitely should not have been out there for that long with the way he played. He gave up what like he gave up six sacks and he was five for nine penalties. Um, and he definitely gave up a boatload of a, a boatload like a huge, giant, massive cruise ship load of pressures all year to uh, you know Kirk Cousins. He I think he even tried to sack Kirk Cousins a couple times by himself. Um, and then, you know, just, just playing Drew Samia for more than two games. Um, you know, if, if he's not good after those two games, I think you need to just look for someone else. Cause Drew Samia was not good at all when he was on the field. Um, and you know, maybe that's just cause he's young and inexperienced. So maybe he can get better, but he was not good in 2020. And then just using, you know, I, I know, I know it turned out to be okay using Ezra Cleveland at guard, but He's not a guard. He he played tackle his entire college career, um, and it wasn't like he played tackle his entire career at like a small school and he's a, he's a smaller prospect. He played at Boise State. Um, so, you know, maybe the Vikings roll forward, maybe with him as guard, maybe they feel it's a better fit, but it's still like you used a – so you used a second-round pick on, on a guard, like – Who's a guy who's not a guard to be your guard? It kind of it kind of depends on Reefs coming back whether he's not or yeah it it does it does and I think it depends on you know how they quickly they think um, Cleveland can transition to to be a tackle which I don't think it should take long because that's the position he's used to playing yeah um, but yeah it does depend on Reef who who had a good season but just just the management of the offensive line and this is just seems like every year and at this point. I don't expect the Vikings to improve the offensive line moving forward. I actually would rather have them pour investments into the defense instead of the offensive line just because Spielman and, and all of them have shown that they're not good at finding guys for the offensive line. So why are we going to pour even more investments that aren't going to work out? You know, I would like the offensive line to improve, but just the people leading the charge haven't proven to me, to me in, what, seven, eight years that they can do that. So why, why, why do I want them to do it again and, and fail? Um, so I'd rather just have that money invested into the defense or, or something else where, you know, this team would would do better with that. And Mike Zimmer's proven that he can do a lot with a defense that has, you know, talent on and healthy people, you know, on the field. Yeah, I'm going to differ with you again. Um, OK, that's fine. And again, <laughs> not not fundamentally. Uh, I do not think that this offensive line is that far away from being decent uh i don't know that it will be elite without spending money like right. getting a brandon Scherf or something like that yeah. um but on my i want to say the second podcast that i had which i had fans on so this would have been early in the season i had dave from international falls and he his name is forrester 93 on twitter okay. um I asked him what if he was a general manager, what would he do and he said he would go to the guard store and guard buy store. guards oh and, Yep, and I think that I th- at the time I was thinking like you know thinking to my head, well, come on, dude, we haven't even seen Samia yet. You got to give these guys a chance. Mm-hmm. You know how wrong was I? Um, I think that if they get a guard or two, I think that this offensive line can be pretty good. Uh, I think that if it's Reef and Bradbury and O'Neill in Cleveland, you really only have one player to sign hopefully a free agent so i don't have to wait to see if a rookie guy can handle it right um for the short term especially if we have this two-year window remaining under zimmer i don't think that the offensive line is a lost cause i think it needs a free agent guard which i expect them to pursue um so i'm not doom and gloom and not to say that i wouldn't say i'm no i wouldn't say i'm doom and gloom i just i'm just tired but you but you but you said that you just you don't you, you, like they haven't proven to be able to fix it, which is very yeah. valid. Yeah. But I don't think that it's. I think it can be tweaked because the problem this year was the guard play. Um, you know, one week it was Dozier, right. the next week it was Samia, right. and every day, there was always a weak link. And then then certain guys would have you know regressions like uh, Bradbury or whatnot. Uh, I just think mm-hmm. that you know 
Bradbury and Cleveland and O'Neal to an extent are young dudes. And I think that we have the frame where we just need one more guy that isn't a career backup. I'm talking about a guy that can start yeah. a free agent guard. And I'll have to go through the free agent wire to see if we can afford any of them. That's a big if. Uh, but I think the offense, and the, coincidentally, this was my last dislike, was guard play. Um, so we'll see if they have the wherewithal to fix it. And if not, then if you if I was Cousins, I'd want to get the hell out of here. Because <laughs> uh, there are teams that can build an offensive line. And if he had an offensive line, man, um, I think that the, the world would you know be at his hands. I'm starting to think that maybe like, Probably 80% of the league has a problem with it, with their offensive line, and there's only like maybe a handful of teams that actually have what you would call an, an elite offensive line. And so maybe it's just – maybe our expectations are maybe too high. We see a team like maybe the Ravens or uh, I guess the Browns offensive line is pretty good um, or, the, or the Chiefs. And, and mm-hmm. honestly, I think a lot of that has to do with the play calling – and and a quarterback's pocket presence, I think that always if that factors in. I think Cousins, we saw a progression in his pocket presence this year, so maybe that can help with the offensive line moving forward. But I think a lot of the plays that Stefanski called when he was here got Cousins out of the pocket. So the offensive line, you know, even if they were poor, it wasn't really much as big of a factor. Um, and then this year, I feel like there were more more plays. Like the majority of the plays were just drop back and. And throws. There was some play action, but it was still drop back. It wasn't. There weren't. It wasn't a ton of rollouts and or, or quick passes even. That, but um, you know, I just think there's a lot of factors that play in into an offensive line, and and play calling is one of them. So, and we got to see how that goes next year because Gary Kubiak might not be back. He's reportedly retiring, and then they haven't really announced it yet. So I think maybe they're, you know, behind the door. Zimmer's Zimmer is like. Can you stay like another year? <laughs> maybe I, I think maybe maybe if they put him in his old role, offensive advisor, and make his son the play caller or whatever, maybe that'll be something they can do. But um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. You said that was your your other dislike. Did you have any have any more? Nope. Uh, the fact that Aaron Rodgers is probably going to win MVP. I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> well, so. you know what? He's good. Oh yeah, he he definitely deserves it. And how long it. how long until he's suiting up for the Vikings? Twenty 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 three, No, I think he uh, he wrote his ticket this year that he'll finish his career there. And I don't I think they're just stuck with that wasted draft pick on Jordan Love. Was it wasted though? Because maybe it like know. it lit a little fire. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. If, if they end up winning the Super Bowl, which would be vomit inducing, then <laughs> yeah, then it was definitely worth it. Um, because yeah, at the at the end of the day. He, he's a top five quarterback of all time that has won one Super Bowl and he gets a complete pass from the national media for it. Because you can't you can't be happy. Like if you're in his position, they they drafted his replacement essentially <laughs> in in the first round, and he's like, "Hey, uh, I'm still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. What are you doing?" Yeah. Um, so he's probably like, "You know what? Fine, I'll just go out and ball out and uh, you know get you guys to get rid of this guy because I'm still going to be here." And you're not. If you want to get rid of me, then that's fine. But I'm still going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So maybe the Vikings should draft a quarterback in the first round, and Kirk Cousins will get that fire <laughs> laid under him. And you know, no, I don't. I don't want them to do that. Um, uh, just uh, yeah, I don't have any th- like big detailed things we need to go in for dislikes. I just have you know not involving Dalvin Cook. Maybe enough early in the season. He had, he had less than 20 touches in each of the Vikings' first two games, which which they lost and. The Vikings only really needed one more win this season to get in the playoffs. So if they win either of those games, they're in the playoffs. And then, you know, looking at when Delvin touched the ball at least 30 times, I know people don't like it because they're like, it's overworked and stuff. It's like, well, he's good. Um, they were 4-1 and one in those games when he had the ball at least 20 times. So I think the Vikings were fine with the results that happened uh, in those games, and then you know, same it's along the same lines. Not starting Justin Jefferson the first two games. You know, I, I know they didn't have a preseason or a lot of OTAs to see to maybe figure this, some of this stuff out. Obviously, BC Johnson not a number two receiver. Uh, apparently, not even a number three receiver. Uh, Chad Beebe beat him out for that, and you know who knows what can happen in those first two, two games too. If Justin Jefferson was starting on the outside, I think they used him mostly in the slot yeah. in those first two games. Um, and you mentioned the defense. I feel like I have to dislike it because it was one of the worst 
in history, but we've we've mentioned the injuries and stuff and the opt outs that just I feel like I I they deserve a pass for all that stuff. And then yeah. talked about no no fans in US Bank Stadium. That was just a bummer. They only had three wins at home. It wasn't <laughs> wasn't a home field advantage at all. You know, you had Aaron you had Aaron Rodgers drawing the defense off of offsides. Um what were you gonna say? The defense uh squandering late game Layer fourth quarter heroics by the offense really unnerved me. Um, there's the, the talking point that Cousins never leads his team back, and we saw it. Three kick Seattle, Tennessee, and what was the other one? Dallas. We saw it three times where in the fourth quarter we marched, we scored. The old Zimmer defense would have been it would have been it. Boop the bed, G- yeah. Yep, game over. Then we're all of a sudden ten and six. Maybe that's why. I, that's why I didn't want them to go for it on fourth and two in Seattle. <laughs> I wanted them to kick the field goal. Yeah, I knew that was going to happen because it. We we could tell very early that that that's not the same. It's not the same Denver defense that yeah. you know, we've come accustomed to. And and Russell Wil- and then you got Russell Wilson on the other side of the field. You know what he's capable of. So yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm still mad about that. But um, and then we've come. Well, they're to find finally out coming that, to our house. Seattle yeah. comes comes. Oh, I know, game. right? That's so. It's going to be so weird to see Seattle in U.S. Bank Stadium. That's not. Uh, yeah. I think they, and I th- they've I th- they've come I there the by- season, right? Yeah, I think that somebody always throws that back in my face, and I'm like, okay, well, it's that's not what I was talking about. But anyhow, the <laughs> yeah, they'll come to U.S. Bank Stadium, and um, we get a new president in a week and a half, and I think there'll actually be you know, I hope so oh, federal <laughs> federal plans to distribute the vaccine, and that that is what a game changer uh, does for a virus during a pandemic yeah. is folks to get the vaccine. Hopefully, it's uh, a huge percentage. Then we get we get life back to normal because we had two choices. We could have locked down like New Zealand and them for, gosh, it would have had to been a couple months, but we chose yeah. not to do that. We did it for this like six weeks or so for the heck of it, uh, you know, to make the optics look good. Um, so we, I don't think lockdowns are an option anymore. Now we got no. the vaccine. And I think yeah. if that gets rolled out uh, at a more rapid pace, because I believe the pace we're at now is that everybody would be vaccinated within six years. Yeah. Uh, and that's not going to do us any good. So if no. we can get that uh, spiked up so that um, guys like you and me can get it maybe this spring, um, then well, I I'm, think- I'm sure they won't. They probably won't like allow you to attend um, a game or something if you haven't been vaccinated. Yeah, that's how like. they're going to, you know, because there's no way a government can mandate anybody get a vaccination. Right. <clears throat> but I foresee that. Then we will, Then we're going to pivot and let the free market work but it out. Yeah, so, they're a private business, so they can do it. Whatever. Yeah. So, want. like, if you if you want to fly, it's like okay, let's see your proof of vaccination. Right. If you want right. to head to this football game, make sure you submit that. Blah blah blah. So I think that's how that's how they'll get you is the you know the private enterprises uh, rather than the government um, will make sure that folks will get vaccinated. And you know that's that's up to you if yeah. you think that's fair or not. But uh, vaccinations have a long history of saving lives. Um, so I feel like if you filled the entire just the just the lower bowl of the Viking Stadium, it would be way better than you know what it was. Obviously, this year with with no fans, but I feel like that would create a significant amount of of noise where Aaron Rodgers isn't drawing your own team offsides, you know, when <laughs> he's on offense. Um, but other than that, I did I I don't think I had any more dislikes. Oh, I didn't like that they didn't sign a, a veteran corner for the start of the season. Just that became. A I really problem. thought that would happen too. Yeah, because the rookies clearly, you know, without a preseason, they were not ready. Um, and Holton Hill, he didn't even make it the entire season on the team. Mike Hughes, I, he's. I he's really thought right. it would be like Darkeese Denard. Uh, right, him. There was, there's there was there was a couple about, guys out there. Yeah, there was about two or three that uh, would have really made sense. And then that Desmond King dude, I think. Yep. We could have got him. He might have been more expensive. Uh, and I think he ended up doing pretty darn well with the Titans, right? Uh, yes, I do think so. Yeah, I, saw um, his, I saw his name today. And then I just wanted to point out before we leave is seven of the Vikings' nine losses this year were to playoff teams. Oh, so wow. they lost to some good teams aside from the Cowboys and Falcons. Yeah. Um, but we don't need to talk about that. Yeah. Um, but other than that, that's that's going to be us for it for us today. Uh, make sure to follow the Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, wherever you get podcasts, subscribe to Dustin's Vikings podcast, the Believe in Vikings podcast with former Vikings 
offensive lineman Bryant McKinney. They got some cool guests on there. Do you got anyone coming up? Oh, we're working on Everson Griffin. And oh, he's had a few things to say recently. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, McKinney knows him. And then Burleson had, Nate Burleson had to reschedule on us a couple weeks ago, so he'll be back uh, soon. Ah, yes, I enjoyed him on the Nickelodeon feed today yeah. on the, uh, <laughs> the Bears and Saints game. That was that was fun. Um, and then follow Dustin Baker on Twitter at Dust Baker. Um, until next time, uh, we will talk to you later. And Dustin, I need to give you a skull. Skull!